Well, again, welcome. We will read a couple of scriptures this morning. The first will be from the prophet Isaiah, and this will help us to lead into our candle lighting. And so as we read this morning, I want to remind us that the last couple of weeks we have been talking um, about hope and of peace, and this morning we have uh, the pink candle. So it's just a, a little pop of color to help remind us visually of the shift in our Advent preparation and anticipation that this is a week of joy. And so we'll talk about joy this week. And as you hear the scripture and as we light the candle, um, again, that is to help frame how we hear um, the scripture this morning. So Isaiah chapter 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and shouting. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful of heart, be strong and do not fear. Here is your God. Your God will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be opened, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For the waters shall break forth in the wilderness, and the streams in the desert. The burning sand shall come to a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp, and the grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it will be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wanted to open up again, reminding us that we have been talking about hope and peace because last week's imagery really flows and sets the scene for us this week. Last week, we talked about um, what it looked like for a, a forest to be clear-cut when every tree is gone and wiped out. And we had the image of a shoot springing up from a stump in a very barren place. And this week, we have the unfolding of a very different type of image where Lebanon is mentioned again, um, a place with tall cedars, known for its beautiful forests, known for the fullness of the landscape and the beauty that it brought along, alongside of it. <clears throat> Carmel and Sharon, <clears throat> these are also really beautiful places. These are places where <clears throat> people would go and, and they would flourish. 
these were, <clears throat> I like to think of them as central coast kinds of places. <clears throat> places where it's always in bloom. There's never really a bad time to be in San Luis Obispo. <clears throat> There's never really a bad time <clears throat> to be in Los Osos. So we have this imagery here in Isaiah um, where, um, <clears throat> thank you. We have this imagery here in Isaiah that is the fulfillment of the promise of last week. Um, I want to make a couple of other connections as well, since we're in Isaiah. And that is, <clears throat> these are places that would have been very familiar to those who are hearing the scripture. <clears throat> these, this is where the Davidic kingdom would have been established and Judah had flourished, was in these, in, in these cities and in these locations. Um, it was also where um, other kingdoms, when they would come through, and right now, where, while Israel is occupied, it is where the cities continue to be flourishing, where <clears throat> when other kingdoms would flourish, these cities sort of remained as staples. Um, I think of when you hear stories of ancient ruins being found in places like Rome, and you're like, how many different rulers and kingdoms and versions of government have been in Rome, and they're finding these ruins, right, of, of these former places, and that's sort of the imagery that's being pulled forth here in Isaiah, that it doesn't really matter who's in charge. When God comes in, all of those things are brought forward and are enjoyed by all the people, every mosaic. Um, they use some strange words in here like crocus, and if you're not super familiar with um, plant life and you have to look it up, I'm not saying you all should know this. Um, like a little frog? It's what I sound like uh, this morning. But a crocus is, uh, it is those, uh, think of like the super bloom in the desert where you have these just patches of flowers that just are thick and they sort of carpet an area. So you have these lilies that carpet an area. And so that's the imagery that we walk into this candle lighting this morning. That the promise of God isn't um, to sort of sweep the people of God or to sweep us away from our current desert, but to transform the place where we currently are so that what was barren is now blossoming. That what was dry and thirsty is now full of water and streams of life. That what was a difficult place to be is now a beautiful place to be. I think sometimes in our imaginations, when we think of what could be, oftentimes we think, oh, if we could just be somewhere else. And this scripture is asking us to firmly plant ourselves where we are and to imagine and to think about what it means for this place to be transformed into a place of joy. So I'm going to light the candle this morning and invite you to think through uh, a couple of questions. What are the places in our lives, personally and for this community, that are dry and barren? What are the places where it feels like there's been some clear-cutting done that we might imagine new life springing up, that we might imagine what it means to be a flourishing and not just healthy place, but an abundant place? So as we light the candles this morning, 
let's hold those questions in our minds and ask God to give us a renewed vision for what it means to be a people of joy this morning. Let's keep that in our minds as we now turn to the Gospel of Matthew. And now we'll read from Matthew chapter 11. And um, again, the, the imagery that comes from Isaiah will be repeated in Matthew. And so um, allow yourself to make some connections as we read through this particular passage. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with skin disease, leprosy in particular, are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal places. What then did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare the way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. As we think about the movement that we go through during Advent, it can be really challenging to grasp the fullness of what Jesus is offering to us, the gospel, the good news. As in Isaiah and in the gospel, is the strengthening of the community. There is um, a tendency, and I, I say this a lot, but there is a tendency to reduce the gospel to what, is going on in our particular life, in my particular life. Um, And one of the terms I learned uh, while I was pastoring here is bike shedding. That we have a a certain capacity, and beyond our capacity to imagine or think, we um, have a really hard time. Um, So if we were uh, building a, a house, I don't understand electrical at all. And so what will get bogged down in the building of the house is not this sort of very intricate laying of fiber and of cords and putting in of outlets. It's the things that I can grasp. I can imagine building a bike shed. And so in this term, bike shedding, 
it's uh, a way of talking about how something so grand can really get held up by the finiteness of a bike shed, right? That you could be building this model home, but what color the bike shed all, all of a sudden becomes really important to the owner because they can't imagine doing all of this other stuff, so they don't have any criticisms to offer or any insights to give, and so they get stuck on sort of the smaller details. And so as we read this particular passage, Jesus is talking about the renewal of a whole community of people where the weak are helped, where they're made strong, not just um, sort of uh, given magic pills in which they can all of a sudden do backflips and turns, but they're surrounded by the whole community and that their needs are met. This is the kind of vision that both Isaiah and Jesus are trying to give us in these particular passages. And in a season like this, sometimes we can get so bogged down by our immediate needs that we miss the collective vision that is being offered to us. And so I want to challenge us this morning to think about what it might mean for us to think through, as we are actually really good at here in this particular place at New Life Church, one of the things that I would really challenge us to do is to think through what does it mean for us to, to be a people of joy in this season? Not just, am I satisfied and content? Can I set aside my worries? That's not the vision that's being given. The vision that's being given is one of transformation so that the whole community, that the whole place that we can see and live in and be a part of is flourishing. So what do we as a community, hold together with one another so that we are a people of joy? What are the places where we can look around and, and be joyful for one another, be strong for one another, be present to and with one another? And the opposite of that is where can we receive, and maybe this is one of my challenges, I won't lay that on anyone in particular, but where can we receive strength and help and joy from others in this particular season. And this is where I think it's helpful for me to have that idea of bike shedding um, because there are lots of things that I cannot do, but I need other people to come alongside of me and provide. Uh, a common phrase that um, has sort of embedded itself in the Christian language is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief to recognize that you can both be working towards something and yet still need help. And so in this particular passage, when Jesus is coming, he's talking about John the Baptist and he's saying, this is the one who is to come that was promised in scripture as the one who would lay before you a pathway so that you could truly see the path of the Lord. And Jesus is here and they're still questioning whether or not Jesus would be the Messiah. And so he's <clears throat> giving us the opportunity, I think, in this particular passage to really look um, to our left and to our right and to see the community that we are in and to wonder together what it might look like to be renewed, to be a joyful community. I want to paint um, two pictures for you um, before we um, pray and sing. And that is um, a porch. Uh, I will ask for some audience participation in this particular portion of the sermon. But what is a porch? 
It's not a complicated question. It's not a trick question. Promise. A car. Uh, uh, not a Porsche. <laughs> a porch. A place in front of your door, sometimes you have a bench. Anyone else have another picture of a porch? A place to meet your neighbors on a hot summer day. It belongs to your house, but it's also in the public. It belongs to your house, but it's partly public. Anyone else have a vision of a porch? Not a Porsche. <laughs> it's a place where uh, I think of to take off your shoes or to, or to brush off your shoes, especially now that I work um, in a farm setting quite frequently. A porch is really where you sort of prepare to go inside. You're not inside yet, but you're not also outside. It's kind of a, a portal place. I thought that's a mudroom. If you're lucky enough to have a mudroom, yeah. but I don't have a mudroom. We have a porch, and so I, I, we have like a, a bristle brush that we step on one side and Tap, tap, dance on one side, and then we tap, 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 dance on the other side. <clears throat> Any other visions of what a porch is? It's a place where you can meet when it's raining. A place you can meet where it's raining. Any other porch visions? Or where, where my dad grew up is a place for gossip. Oh, a place for gossip. Okay. I want us to go through the exercise because one of the images that is really popular in this Christmas time is just maybe a handful of folks who gather on a porch to sing. And even in our um, descriptions of what a porch can be, we can see how really the same place, the same entryway, can be formatted or situated in such a different way and how we gather there and what we do can really transform that place as simple as it is. Something as simple as a pad of concrete with a welcome mat can really be a joyful setting. It can be a place where people gather to, for shelter. It can be a place where people gather to commune, where people gather to sing. And as we read these particular passages, it's that kind of vision of transformation that if you have the eyes to see, you can say, oh, well, with a couple of friends, we can take this otherwise very bland setting and transform it into a place of joy. We can take something as simple as a porch and make it a place where people anticipate what's coming to their home. When you hear the doorbell in this season, it may not happen as often as it used to, but when people gather outside of your door to sing to you, it's a very joyful thing. I think about also this particular con uh, sanctuary. This is the second place um, that I want us to imagine. And to imagine, <clears throat> just a couple of weeks ago, we pulled stuff out of the closet and began to decorate. We transformed what can be a very plain room into a pretty festive environment, one where we are given signals of the moment that we are in. So you walk in and there's extra lighting, there's extra foliage, there are candles, there are things that sort of clue you into, this is a little bit of a different place 
because of the preparation that went into our time together. And so as we think about what it means to be a people of joy, I would offer to us this week that we might begin to shift, <clears throat> we might begin to shift our perspective and think about what does it mean <clears throat> to provide places where people can see, regardless of the particular circumstance, that this is a place of joy. <clears throat> Just like in the scripture, there, <clears throat> there are two things that happen. One is <clears throat> there are people of joy, <clears throat> and the other is <clears throat> there are circumstances of joy. So you have the desert in the Isaiah passage transforming <clears throat> so that it too is singing the praise of God that the pathway becomes a particular way of seeing and noticing God, that the flowers themselves are a testimony to the presence of God. The circumstances that we can find ourselves in can really sort of set the scene for what it means for us to be a joyful people. And then you have, also in the Isaiah and the Gospel passage, what it means for people to be people of joy and to testify to the presence of God when they gather together and make sure that those with feeble knees and weak hands have what they need. Those who could not make their way in the world without assistance can now make their way in the world without assistance. Those who were cast aside, those who were, um, had visible diseases and were th thus shunned from the community were brought back in because they were made whole and healthy. This is, <clears throat> these are the, the sort of the parallel tracks that both of these scriptures give to us this morning. What does it mean to be a place of joy? And what does it mean to be a people of joy? Transformed, one particular context, not separate. It's not a joyful place without people, nor is it a people without a place to celebrate. These two things are woven together in this particular passage in such a way that we are invited to be in the place of God and to be the people of God simultaneous to that. <clears throat> Does that make sense to everyone this morning? <clears throat> As we pray this morning, um, I'll invite you <clears throat> to think about what it means to be a joyful people in a joyful place. <clears throat> 